0: you and your labor, sacrifice, uh, all that you do, and, and I know even as I, as I say Happy Mother's Day, I, I see the post today of those who have lost moms, I'm in that boat, and I'm reminded of my mom, and so today is a day of great joy as we think about our moms and all they've given, but we know it's sad in ways where we may miss mom, or maybe we're estranged from our moms, or maybe we long to be moms and we haven't been able to be moms. Or maybe we're moms and our kids are, uh, have gone off and have turned away. And so today is a day, like many days in the Christian life, filled with so much joy and life and goodness, and yet we acknowledge that it's also painful for many of us. Uh, I know that's true for me, and yet I rejoice with my, my wife. What a great mom. And so hope you can embrace those and hold those even today as you celebrate the moms in your life. One of the beautiful things about being the church is we get to... Uh, we get to celebrate together uh, life in Christ. And uh, we here, as we, as we see people come to faith in Christ, we believe that the sign uh, of that work is the, is the, the waters of baptism. And baptism uh, has many s- s- symbolic meaning, but the number one meaning is that of cleansing. Water is clean, it purifies. We get washed in water to remove the dirt and grime of our bodies right in the shower. And Christ's work was bloody on the cross. He hung bleeding and covered that we would be washed clean by the water of Christ. And in his blood, we are washed pure. Here at, at, our, at CRC, we believe we baptize children of believing homes. Those that grew up in the covenant family, we administer the sign to children in that situation. But we also baptize those that come to faith as adults that have been outside of that. And we have the great privilege of doing that today. I'll invite you, Yulong Hong is coming forward to be baptized today. And Yulong is, uh, is so good to get to know her, to get to spend time with her, get to talk to her. I'll talk to you for just a second and then we'll baptize. So hope it's not too embarrassing to you. Um, but I've appreciated so much of her honest wrestling Uh, with the Lord what does the scripture mean what does it what does salvation mean and to have such integrity to ask really good questions to doubt to struggle to wrestle like many of us have done uh, and yet come to put our faith and trust in Jesus and I know you long you don't want to speak a whole lot so I'll I'll put a few words you can nod if you agree Um, but one of the things that's been so neat is how the community has been a part of this with you would you agree Uh, our RUF community uh, the ladies in the Bible study community, people in the church, uh, a certain guy named Andrew's been helpful, I hear, have all helped to point and direct her uh, to put her faith and trust in Jesus. What a great thing. What a beautiful thing. That's true for all of us, right? None of us came to Christ on our own, but we were nursed and we were pointed to Jesus. And so it's so great to see what God has done. Ilong, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation that the old is gone, and behold, all things have been made new. And we know you are, you long today as you were three or four years ago, you're the same person, you haven't changed in that regard, and yet spiritually you've become a new creation as God has renewed your heart and given you a new heart by faith in Christ. And we celebrate that with you. So I've shared a little bit from you, but I'll get you to acknowledge these, these five questions as we talked about. They're basically your confession of faith that you acknowledge. So I'll read them and you can say, I do. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving His displeasure, without hope, save in His sovereignty, do you? I do. do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation as He is offered in the Gospel? I Do Do you now resolve and commit in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as a follower of, of Christ? I do. Do you promise to support the church in its work and worship to the best of your ability. And finally, do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of this church and promise to, to promote its peace and its purity? I do. Very good. Well, if you will take a kneel, kneel, knee here on this towel, and I'll give you this too. Put around your, you. around your shoulders. There you go. I'm trying to make this too much. You long, my sister in Christ, it is my great privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this dear sister. Thank you for the much fuller and richer testimony that I heard from her own lips of faith in you. That with questions and wrestling and doubts has come to see that Jesus is the answer. He is the source. I pray as she goes on to, to med school, as she goes on throughout her life and in her relationships, she would come to hold so dear the beauty of the gospel that Christ has loved her, that Christ has saved her, that He has made her His beloved daughter, and that she is prized to Him. We pray, Lord, for this church that we would walk with her, we would encourage her, we would support her, we would uplift her, even as she does to us, as she speaks the truth of the gospel back to us, as she serves this congregation with her gifts and her talents and her wisdom, Lord, we pray for your hands of blessing upon her. And we rejoice with her in the good news that you have made her your own. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that. We pray now as we come to this time of worship through the word that you would be with Fraser, our brother. Bless him as he preaches your word. Give him confidence. Give him the Spirit's power. God, and give us conviction as you lead him. We pray your blessing on this. In Jesus' name, amen. Elon, you can stand. Frazier, you can make your way up here. We do have one gift for you. This is a new uh, ESV study Bible from the church. We'd love for you to have it here as you continue to study God's Word. So, thank you. We can clap or rejoice or sing. Frazier, we'll, we'll leave it with you now.
1: Children age 3 to 7 may be dismissed to Children's Church. (laughs) you got it. Um, So I'm Frazier Reed. Uh, I know many of you, uh, you may or may not know, this is my first time preaching. Uh, Depending on how it goes, it may be the last time, but we'll give it a go. I'll be preaching from Luke 16, so if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, you can do that. I'm going to go a little bit outside the sermon text that's up on the screen. Um, I've chosen a passage that I find challenging, um, powerful. I think it's a difficult word. I also think it gets to the heart of a very fundamental question, which is, is there an eternal destination? And where are we headed? Um, it turns out the stakes are extremely high. And that's a reality that we, we just can't forget. Um, the passage is The Rich Man and Lazarus, Luke 16, 19-31. It comes in a series of parables that Jesus uh, that Jesus gives. I'm going to pick up in uh, Luke, Luke 16, 14, so a few verses ahead of this, Jesus has been preaching parables and the Pharisees have been listening and this is where we're going to pick up. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed Him, Jesus. And He, Jesus, said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. I'm going to skip down to verse 17. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. And then we're going to pick up in our sermon text. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to, to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus "'in like manner bad things. "'And now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. "'And besides all this, between us and you, "'a great chasm has been fixed, "'in order that those who would pass from here to you "'may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. "'And he, the rich man, said, "'Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, "'for I have five brothers.' so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. The word of the Lord. So, wow, I mean, that's, that's heavy, right? Um, maybe a little scary also. Um, and this, this is coming from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, let's, let's pray as we, as we dive into the text. Father, we ask your blessing here on our study of your word. We know there's power in it. We ask that the Holy Spirit would be here at work amongst us. Amen. I'm going to cover three topics. The first is going to be, how do we approach a parable? And that, that's going to be short. Then we're going to take a deep dive into the text. We're going to unpack these verses. And then we're going to see, what does this all mean for us? So a parable, we know, is it's a short story Uh, Jesus uses them to teach or illustrate a spiritual truth. So there's a story, but it's not just a story of face value. There is a truth, a meaning that's supposed to come out of it. Um, I'm going to use a silly example just to make a point. This is not from the Bible. This is from Forrest Gump. But uh, you recall in Forrest Gump, the... uh, he says, life is like a box of chocolates. And if that's what we're studying, fortunately the meaning of that is given in the very next line. Life is like a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. So that is the specific way in which life is like a box of chocolates. That's the meaning we're supposed to glean. But if we try to compare life and a box of chocolates in other ways, we're going astray. if, I, if you were to say, well, boxes of chocolates, uh, we see them on Valentine's Day. You know, that's, that's not a comparison that is intended from the metaphor. So as we study parables, we've got to recognize that there is an intended meaning. And we don't want to try to dig a meaning out that the text doesn't support. And we also don't want to put some meaning into the text that just isn't there. Sometimes when Jesus speaks in parables, he will tell say exactly what the parable means. For example, in Matthew 13, there's the parable of the sower. And you'll recall that there's the sower who sows seed on different types of paths. And his disciples start asking him questions, and then Jesus explains it. And he says, well, the seed is the word, the paths of the different types of people, and it's their different responses. And he walks through each one and explains it. Not every parable is like that. Sometimes we don't have an explanation. This is one where we don't have an explanation. So our challenge is going to be to get meaning. And let's begin by walking through the text and see what we find. This is a tale of two people. We've got the rich man and Lazarus. And verses 19 through 21, Jesus draws a series of parallels. And it's a little bit subtle, but then once you see it, you can't miss it. And I want to zero in on those parallels because I think they're important. The rich man, he's obviously rich, right? Um, He's clothed in purple and fine linen. Think expensive clothes here. Purple dye was very expensive in the ancient Near East. So you had to be wealthy to wear it. It's a symbol of royalty. So think he's, he's dressed in, in extremely expensive clothes. We see that he, he feasts, sumptuously, feasts sumptuously every day. So not only is he feasting, he's feasting sumptuously. And not just on special occasions, he's feasting sumptuously every day. And now to the parallel with Lazarus. We've got a rich man. Lazarus is a poor man. The rich man is clothed in expensive clothes. Lazarus is clothed in sores. Think here open, festering wounds. Something, this Lazarus, that makes Lazarus unclean in Jewish custom. He is not only an outcast based on his poverty, but he is also unclean. Whereas the rich man is feasting sumptuously, Lazarus just longs. Lazarus just longs for what falls to, his, to the rich man's floor. The discarded, you know, pieces of what's left over that no one wants to touch, that's dirty, just lying on the floor. Lazarus longs for it, and there's no indication that he gets it. He's he's laid outside of the rich man's gate, which also, by the way, implies that maybe he didn't get there on his own steam. And there's no indication that this rich man gives him just the discarded scraps. There's one more key contrast that I want to draw out. And that is that Lazarus has a name. This isn't the rich man and the poor man. This is the rich man and the poor man named Lazarus. So that kind of jumps out as 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 something, okay, maybe that's important. One of them has a name. I'll also tell you that of all the parables that are recorded in the Gospels that Jesus told, there is only one in which a character is given a name, and that is Lazarus. It doesn't have the same effect on us as it would on Jesus' first century listeners. But the name Lazarus literally translates to God is my helper. Whereas the rich man's identity is wrapped up in his riches, Lazarus's identity is not in his poverty, but in his name. God is my helper. The parallels continue upon death. We see Lazarus dies, and he's carried by angels to Abraham's side. Abraham's side, the literal translation would be Abraham's bosom. It's a, it's, it's an, it's, it conveys intimacy. You'll remember at the, uh, at the Last Supper, uh, John is reclining at Jesus' side, literally there at Jesus' bosom. That same kind of intimacy is com- conveyed here. Um, Abraham, you'll recall, was chosen by God. He was the recipient of a covenant, a promise. He's the father of God's chosen people. It's a picture of Lazarus being taken up into heaven. The poor man dies and is buried. No angels. He's he's had wealth, so he's buried. But he finds himself in Hades, in torment. And the torment is hammered home. It's heavy. He is in torment. He says he's in anguish in the flame. He is in a place of judgment. Many people, even non-believers, will acknowledge Jesus as a great teacher. Um, and a lot of that is based on what he teaches about love. But Jesus also taught as much, and maybe more than anyone else, about hell as a reality, a place of judgment. Um, and it's that's, that's hard for us in a postmodern society to, to wrestle with that reality. Um, but we see it. I mean, this appears in a parable, and you hesitate to take some theology straight from a parable. But he also, Jesus also speaks about hell as a real place outside of parables. He describes it in Matthew 13 as a, a fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Tim Keller, he's, he says a lot of people in New York would ask him, you know, you don't actually believe there's some lake of fire out there where people go. And I'm paraphrasing here, but his response was something to the effect of, no, no, that's a metaphor. The reality is much worse. Um, But he also says you can't understand the depth of Jesus' love without understanding the torment that he had to pay for. So they go they go kind of hand in hand. The reality of hell and the love of Christ, that's, that's part of how, how we can comprehend the depth of Jesus' love. Abraham tells the rich man, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus' bad things. Now he's comforted here. You're in anguish. There's this kind of great reversal happening here. We've seen something else like that in Matthew 20:16. The last will be first. The first will be last. There's a notion that those who serve, the humble will be exalted. Those who are exalted will be humbled. Lazarus had nothing. He was in complete need. Here he finds comfort. Like his name, he finds his help in God. The rich man's desire on earth was for his riches. And he got the pursuits of his heart. He got exactly what he was longing for. Abraham says that there's this great chasm. There's a great divide. There's no way for us to get to you, for you to get, the, uh, to, forget to, to, get to us. And then let's, let's zero in on what the rich man says. The rich man says in verse 27, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so he may warn them lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham's response is they have Moses and the prophets. Listen, Let them hear them. Now the rich man wants, wants to give a warning to his brothers. But what's the implication here? It's I wasn't warned. I didn't know. If someone had told me, you know, I would have repented. I had I had no idea this is what was going to happen. And Abraham's response is you have Moses and the po- and the prophets. I mean this is lit- this is one of Abraham's, you know, children in the descendant way but he was not he was not reading he wasn't reading scripture he didn't read the bible you know paul tells us also that really no one has an excuse just from created order we can see god's divine qualities in romans 1:20 paul tells us his god's invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So not only is he without excuse based on just the created order, he has God's specific revelation in Moses and the prophets and just disregarded it. The rich man follows, asking for, says, Look, if someone comes from the dead, they'll repent. He asks for a sign. Give me proof. Give me proof personally. But we also, Abraham's response is, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, a sign isn't going to do it either. Their hearts are hardened. God has to work in their hearts. And we see this in the Gospels also. We see Jesus performing great signs and miracles. You know, Some people see them and believe. And then there are others who see, and their reaction is, you know, we want to kill this man. There's a hardness of hearts, and we need God to work in our hearts to be receptive. The signs, even if God were to give a sign, it's just not enough. So, what does all this mean? What? what is, how do we respond to this? I mean, I, I, I want to go to heaven. I want to see if all of you in heaven. How do we fit into this parable? I mean, I'm trying to plug myself in. Does this mean that I need to be destitute, uh, sick, hungry, surrounded by feral animals to get to heaven? And no, that, that's, not, that's not the message here. That's not the meaning one way we get to the meaning aside from the text itself is we look at the context and we explored we explored some what jesus jesus interaction with the pharisees and luke 16 14 luke tells us the pharisees who were lovers of money heard these things and ridiculed jesus they loved money they were ridiculing the one who reaches out to the outcast who ministers to the outcast and jesus tells them You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. What is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Worldly possessions and social status are of no benefit in getting to heaven. And in fact... It can, it can be a hindrance. I mean, Jesus tells us in Mark 10, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter in heaven. It's, the temptation is to find rest in riches and comfort and to not recognize the need for help. But Jesus also tells us Know, that what's in, right after that that what's impossible with man it's impossible not but not with God for all things are possible with God so he's not telling us look there's not going to be wealthy people in heaven it's just it can be a snare and we've also seen elsewhere in Scripture wealthy people chosen by God we've seen Job in Job one one tells us that Job was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Job was extremely wealthy, but he's turning away from evil. He is repenting and turning towards God. That's where his heart is. King David also, you know, he was a man after God's own heart. We see he has a repentant heart. He's called out by Nathan the prophet after Nathan rebukes him. And David confesses and we get this great Psalm 51 of repentance and we see that turning back towards God. So it's, you know, it's again here, it's not rich or poor. It's the orientation of your heart. And flip side, the outcast, the poor, the destitute, they are not despised by God. They may be rejected by the world, but not by God. We also see in Luke 16, 17, the importance of heeding Scripture. Jesus told them, it's, the Pharisees, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. In the parable, we're warned, hear Moses and the prophets. That, is, that was saying, hear what, was the old, what, what we consider the Old Testament. Hear that. Now we have an even more complete revelation We have the benefit of the New Testament also. We have the benefit of our Lord giving us this parable. Uh, We've been warned. And in fact, hearing Moses and the prophets means hearing Jesus. At the end of Luke, following Jesus' resurrection, Luke tells us in Luke 24-27, that Jesus explained how Moses and the prophets point to Him. Luke says, "...beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself." All of this is pointing us to Christ. And we live in a time where Bibles are so readily accessible. They're free apps. um, If anybody doesn't have access to a Bible, our church will set you up with one. Don't take one out of these pews because they don't belong to us. But you have access to a Bible. There's no excuse, and we see the stakes are infinitely high. The rich man was asking for a sign. If someone comes back from the dead, we... Church, we have the one who came back from the dead to tell us. The gospel tells us that our Lord not only rose from the dead, He appeared to numerous witnesses. Those witnesses, the apostles, were so convinced that He rose from the dead that they spread His gospel to the point of their death. And people don't die for something that they know is a lie. We, we have received, we've received our sign. And like the rich man, if we seek a rest in the comforts of this world, then, then we're on the path to torment. And in reality, we're on the path to torment if we're left to our own devices. But if you seek your help in God, like Lazarus his identity god is my help if that if that's where your help is take comfort because god has promised in his word you know these verses god so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life jesus also tells us he came to give his life as a ransom for many in his blood he's taking the punishment we deserve If you're you're resting in Christ, if you have asked Him to be your help, take comfort. He invites us to come rest in Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Come and find rest. If you're not to that point, if you're not at the point of resting in Christ, consider this. We're all on notice. We're all, we're all on notice. There is no excuse. Don't bury your head in the sand. At least inquire. I'll be around after church and I'd be glad to talk to anyone about Jesus. Pastor Ben, Pastor Ryan... We'd love to share who Jesus is if you want to learn more. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the way You've revealed Yourself through Scripture. You've shown us where we're headed without You. You've shown us also immense love that Christ would suffer torment and anguish Himself that we might not have to Father, may we never take that for granted. May we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Frazier. Uh, so good. So good to have you up there sharing and <clears throat> using your gifts and, and blessing us. Um, it's good, Frazier, sharing there. I was thinking of, uh, that Jesus' or Paul's words... Um, In 2 Corinthians um, chapter 8, speaking along the same lines of rich and poor, he says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that by His poverty we might become rich. Actually, Jesus did give up His wealth. He gave up heaven. He gave up His riches. He gave up all blessings. That though we are spiritually poor... Whether we're physically poor or not, we're spiritually poor, we're broken, we're destitute, we're bankrupt, and yet he, uh, he gave us all the riches of heaven. He, he backed up the truck and just dumped the, you know, the Wells Fargo truck upon us more money than we can imagine. Spiritual blessing upon blessing. And our poverty and our desolation He took upon Himself on the cross for us. That we might have life in Christ. What a great reality. We get to hear it from Frazier's mouth. We get to hear it from mine. We get to see it as we come to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a a picture like baptism is a picture. Uh, It's a symbol that we enter into a relationship with God through baptism or through faith in Christ pictured in baptism. Our ongoing relationship week in, week out, day by day is pictured in this meal, Jesus said in His last days with His disciples, He said, the upper room, He said, this is my body. should be given for you. It's been broken. Got his body broken that we might be made whole. Likewise, there was a cup. In this cup, it was the new covenant in His blood. This blood would be shed and be poured out for the forgiveness of sins that we might know the riches of Christ Jesus. Encourage you to come tonight to taste and see that the Lord is good. For those that are willing and able, come forward. We have three stations you can come to. You can take the bread and the wine. If you'd rather take your seat in the very back, back there, we have some of the little cups you can take if you don't feel comfortable coming forward. That's fine. Feel free to do that. Who is this table for? This table's for, we say it each time, this table's for all of those, as Frazier said, that no... That we're weak, that no, we need Jesus, that no, we need the grace that God offers. If you can say that, if you can confess that, then this table is for you. If you don't say that, if you don't know, if you're wrestling with the Lord, then let these elements pass, but instead by faith, embrace the gospel of grace tonight. Let me pray for us. Father, we lift up our hearts to you. Our hearts are full of of, of goodness and, and, and grace that you've given us, that we're thankful, and yet God hearts that are entitled, hearts that forget, hearts that miss the gospel and make it about our own goodness and our own merit. God and we, we place ourselves in the story and we think we're the're Lazarus, but often our hearts and attitudes are like the rich man that we are proud and our material or our spiritual blessings that we don't attribute to you, that we don't give glory to you as the life giver, the hope giver, the salvation that comes from you. I pray as we come, we'd be reminded of your good news this evening. As we taste and see of your goodness and joy, and we do it not alone, we do it with the body. As we were saved, Jesus, to you, but we're also saved to one another in Christ. May we enjoy this meal together and may we know You more fully through it. We pray in Your name. Amen.